0: Coming up on Stew Does America, Blaze TV contributor Eric July is here to tell us how incredibly historic and or horrible a Kamala Harris vice presidency would be. And Ross Barchan tells us if Donald Trump is conspiring with the mailman to destroy our democracy. Hmm. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube page get all the episodes for free when you go to YouTube and search for Stu. I'll be the first one there. And like all of our videos and this one right here, right now, just do it before I I say something that that pisses you off or you forget or however that goes and your views on itunes are great whatever leave me five stars and subscribe so we can continue to climb the charts in an empty effort to fill our lives with meaning and tonight andrew cuomo is a featured speaker at the democratic convention you'd think they'd be fleeing his presence like new york residents are fleeing the state but no, they're letting him talk for some reason send a message with your very own andrew cuomo is awful mug t-shirt or mask all right, let's, uh, let's deal with the inexplicable fight of the day. The freaking post office, right? I mean, why not? Let's just fight about the post office. It's time to do Mail-In Voting Fraud.
1: Stew does America.
0: As if we didn't have enough problems in the world. With COVID-19, racial strife, and a version of Taylor Swift that thinks she's Rachel Maddow. Now we have to deal with claims of fraud in November. Really? A lot of people are wondering whether the election will be legitimate. Will it be mass fraud? Will the Democrats attempt to steal this election? And of course, the answer to that last one is yes. The better question is, how will Democrats attempt to steal the election? Will it be A, by packing the ballot box with fraudulent mail-in voting? Or will it be B, the normal, accepted way through massive lying and personal attacks combined with a complicit media? Which one will be true? Mm, The drama. What's the truth about mail-in voting? Let's go through it. Let's break it down. First things first. And this is important that everybody knows this. Basically, everyone allows you to vote by mail in some way. That's nothing new. But there are several different categories of states that handle this differently. First of all, group one. Come up with an excuse and you shall receive. Seven states in this category. For example, Texas. Valid excuses include you're getting old. 65 or above, you're automatically approved. You're in jail. Hard to make it to the polls while you're behind bars. Just go simply commit a crime, go to prison, and then it's easy to get your ballot. You're out of town is another excuse. You're going to be out of the county for some reason. Now, I drive to work and leave my county. It's very easy to, I'm going to be out of the county uh, just to get a ballot. I mean, that's an easy thing to claim. Just remember, remember, and I'm trusting you on this, drive across the county line on election day, or you're going to feel like you misled the government. And I know you don't want to do that. And finally, if you're disabled or sick, The state Supreme Court ruled that this doesn't uh, include fear of getting sick from COVID. However, if you happen to check the disabled box, and I know you won't do this if you're being dishonest. If you happen to check that disabled box, you don't even have to list what disability you have and they can't reject you. Trust me, you're screwed up somehow. It's pretty much a disability. Just go get your ballot. Let's pause here and recognize that those are the most restrictive rules against you getting your absentee ballot through the mail. In other words, you can vote by mail easily, whenever you want, everywhere, full stop. The question is, how much effort do you have to put in to get that done? Let's look at the next group of states. Group two, ask and you shall receive. In 25 states, if you ask for an absentee ballot, they will send it to you. No questions asked. You don't have to come up with a reason. Just ask, and you get it. I've been voting absentee for years, mostly because we're doing election coverage every election day. So I can't usually get to the polls. It's an easy way to get your vote in, and you don't have to stand in line breathing other people's droplets. It's a nice little benefit. Some people just get a rush out of going to the polls and pulling the lever. That's cool. I don't really care about that. If you do, go to the polls. Otherwise, this is an easy alternative to potentially sucking in a lung full of the corona. Okay, group three is next. Don't ask and you shall receive. There are nine states in this category where they automatically send you an application for an absentee ballot without you even asking for it. Then you fill it out, send it back, and you'll get an absentee ballot to mail back in. This is sort of where the difference between Democrats and Republicans starts showing its face. Democrats want more people Who put in less thought? Republicans want less people who put in more thought. This isn't a question of people who watch Rachel Maddow or Glenn Beck and obsess about the issues of the day. These people are going to be able to take the five minutes and figure out the right way to get their ballot. But what about people who are doing nothing but watching Too Hot to Handle on Netflix? These people haven't put one minute of thought into the elections, or the policies of the candidates, or do they even know what a Kamala is? Well, they're not going to go on some site to chase down a ballot. But if one shows up in their mailbox, uh, maybe they're going to send back a little application and vote for Democrats. It's why there's candy by the register at the grocery store. They put it in your face and you grab a whatchamacallit bar as you're checking out. Now, should that person have the right to vote? Yes. Yes, sure. Everyone that meets the most basic qualifications has that right. But should we be thrilled that a person who has put no time in determining the right way to vote is stupidly checking boxes to determine the future of the country? Let's not get all too high and mighty about the future of our democracy here. And group four, don't apply and you shall receive. In nine states, they just mail a ballot to every single registered voter, whether they want it or not. This takes the last group to the extreme. Let's say uh, RuPaul's Drag Race is too highbrow for you and you're only watching 90 Day Fiance. If you get an application, have to fill it out, put it in the mail, and then have to open up the ballot once it comes back, fill out another thing, and then mail it again. I mean, what are you, an Olympic athlete? It sounds way too hard. But if the ballot shows up and you happen to be in a commercial break, maybe you fill it out and drop it in the mail. Again. Do we want our democracy decided by people who care so little that they won't even take the most basic action to vote? Well, that's the case in nine states. And this is what President Trump has been talking about. He's right. Millions of ballots will be sent out to people who haven't requested them. And that absolutely increases the risk for fraud. We know that some of those ballots will go two dead people. Some of them will go to cocker spaniels. Some of them will go to dead cocker spaniels. Some people will fill them out in the name of pickles, their dead cocker spaniel, most likely in an effort to get Joe Biden to win. Lots of crazy crap will be tried. And to be sure, the typical left wing arguments against election fraud are pretty stupid. Well, they've only caught a few people doing it. I mean, that's not exactly true, but so what if it was? It's called election fraud. Literally, its defining characteristic is that it's supposed to be secret. The definition of the word fraud is an act of deceiving or misrepresenting. The whole point of fraud is not to get caught committing fraud. When people are good at fraud, you don't know who they are by definition. The way you stop those people is by making it more difficult to commit fraud. You put scanners on the clothes at the Gap. You have cameras at your 7 Eleven. You ask for ID at the liquor store. But if you ask for an ID at the polls, you're called racist. So fraud becomes a lot easier, which is just what the left happens to want. So, what do you do? Now, there are some who are worried about this uh, that have gone too far and said there are no checks on these ballots. That's not exactly true either. For example, in Washington, where they do full vote by mail, they scan the outer envelope to check off that a person has voted so you you can't vote twice. Then they check the signatures on the envelope and make sure it matches voter rolls. Now, if you've ever purchased something with your credit card, you know how closely they're checking those signatures. But there is at least a theoretical process, at least. I mean, at least you've got to forge a signature. Again, people will abuse this system. Some of it will work and some of it won't. But the good news is, at least today, it's highly unlikely to make the difference in the presidential election. Why? Well, there are nine states that do this, five of which were already doing it before the election. Hawaii, Washington, Colorado, Utah and Oregon. So there's no real change there. Washington, for example, has been using mass vote by mail in most places for about 15 years. So whether you like vote by mail or not, it's really only a new issue in four states and Washington, D.C. Newsflash, Donald Trump is not going to win Washington, D.C. The four states are California, which... Trump is not going to win New Jersey, which Trump is not going to win Vermont, which Trump is not going to win. And really the only significant place where this could be an issue, Nevada. Now, Nevada was pretty close in 2016 with Clinton winning by about a point and a half. But if you know, Trump won the election without it in 2016, and if he's doing better there in 2020 than he did last time, he's almost definitely getting reelected anyway. This doesn't mean you toss election fraud to the side and not worry about it, but the chances of mail-in fraud being a determinative factor in the 2020 election are pretty slim. The bigger risk is going forward because mail-in voting is not the end game. Compulsory voting and the national popular vote are even bigger prizes for the left, and they will continue to expand what they have while taking as much as they can get. So back to our question at the top. How will Democrats attempt to steal the election? Will it be A, by packing the ballot box with fraudulent mail-in voting? Or will it be B, the normal accepted way through massive lying and personal attacks combined with the complicit media? The answer is, of course, C, both. They will lie and launch personal attacks through the media and their activists will try the fraud thing, too. And then they will lie through the media again to act like nothing shady has ever happened. And their plan will only be complete when they get loud and stupid support from an increasingly intolerable Taylor Swift. I want to tell you about Black Rifle Coffee Company. They offer a variety of roast profiles from light, medium, and dark all sourced from around the world through a rigorous process and roasted in the U.S. at BRCC facilities in Tennessee and Utah. So, BRCC, Black Rifle Coffee Company. The best way to enjoy it is through the coffee club. They've got a Black Rifle Coffee Club where you just get a subscription and they will take the coffee that you want and they will send it to you. They'll get it all roasted and packaged because they always do it fresh. Get it all packaged up, ship it free to you every month on your schedule, uh, and you'll never be short of coffee. You'll also receive special discounted pricing and gain access to exclusive products, members-only content, partner discounts, and a lot more. Black Rifle also offers fresh apparel and outdoor gear from partners like Dick, Dixon, Yeti, Nalgene. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I only wear the finest in Walmart. The newest summer collection is just what you need to heed Adventure's call. If you're one of those outdoorsy types, I'm indoorsy myself. But if you're one of those outdoorsy types, you're really going to like this stuff. Actually, Black Rifle Coffee uh, has all the best uh, coffee, and their, their gear is really cool, too. Check it out, blackriflecoffee.com stew. Be sure to use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. And you'll save 20% off your first purchase. It's blackriflecoffee.com stew. Use the promo code stew. 20% off. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash stew. I think one of the things this show is best known for is my personal jihad versus many different things. Um, paper straws, for example. I hate that they're Satan. Pa- paper straws are Satan. Um, Andrew Cuomo is awful. So that's why we created AndrewCuomoIsAwful.com. worse.com. These things, I think, are uniting in our society. But we don't always have guests on that have their own personal jihad. Joining us now is a VP of policy for the Taxpayers Protection Alliance and senior contributor to Young Voices, Ross Marchand. Ross, do you have a, a personal jihad against the Postal Service?
2: Look, they have a jihad against me. I didn't start this. Here I was, I was just trying to peacefully deliver my mail to send and receive. Mm-hmm. And I get all sorts of negative attention just for wanting to make itty bitty little changes to the postal service.
0: Minor, Very minor scary. changes, no big deal. Minor,
2: minor changes. <laughs> and maybe change the name, uh, change the logo over here.
0: That's yeah, it. That's, that's it. That's all there is it. Now I'm told that uh, the constitution, uh, guarantees the Postal Service is going to exist till all eternity and there's nothing we could do to change it. Is that true?
2: I have really, really good news. <laughs> there is no such guarantee. Now, the Postal Service is a good thing and it absolutely serves rural America, but there's no such constriction on Congress. Congress has the power to set up. Post offices, just like they have the power to set up roads. Um, obviously, there could be some sort of space for competition, just as there are private roads with competition to public roads. There could be, you know, private delivery services, and we see some of that—UPS, FedEx, and what have you. There's a role for the postal service, but it needs to be reformed to be sustainable to continue to deliver for Americans.
0: I want to get into some of the uh, stuff that's going on with the election and all the talk that kind of brings up the post office into all of our uh, spheres, not just you know yours, because you're, it's always in your sphere. Um, but when it gets to all of us here, I want to talk about the election stuff here in a second. But can we go through what, just generally speaking, this is something that is, we're told has a 91% approval rating. Uh, everyone loves the post office. What can we do to change it?
2: They love the institution. And look, it does a lot of good for hundreds of millions of Americans. But unfortunately, there's a lot of problem and dysfunction behind the scenes. We have $160 billion in counting and unfunded liabilities. This is simply unsustainable. And taxpayers will not see the end of those unpaid bills unless something gets fixed soon. And there are real problems with efficiency, declining on time, percentage deliveries. Something has to change.
0: So what, what, you know, we, I think one of the things about I find it interesting about the post office is it's something that people don't think of as a federal agency. Right. Like it's more like a service right. like you go to the FedEx or people put it in that same category and they don't think of it that way. That's why I think it has a 91 percent approval rating is that people don't think of it that way. They just think of it as like a cool service. And a lot of times the prices are even lower. You have to admit that, Ross.
2: Absolutely. And it's great that the prices are lower, but you have to keep in mind that the prices have to cover costs at the end of the day. And we're seeing that basic sort of disjointing, disconnecting of reality where revenues are not covering costs. And if that happens for a long period of time and you have $160 billion in liability, what happens eventually is taxpayers have to foot the bill, and that is just not fair. Because the people who benefit the most have to pay the most. We're not talking about obscene profits. We're just talking about covering costs. That is what has to happen while maintaining low prices.
0: So is this kind of a a thing that's similar to like an Amtrak where – they are charging low prices to go to these routes out in the middle of nowhere. And there's four people on the train. But, you know, some congressmen said they wanted an Amtrak stop there. So they're going out there. Is it a similar type of thing where the, the Postal Service is essentially undercutting their own costs because they don't have to worry about making a profit?
2: You see some of that, but what is really going on here, and this is the biggest trend over the past 10 or 20 years, you see an explosion in packages and e-commerce and all that stuff. Amazon deliveries, you know, you name it, even Walmart, right? Walmart's a little bit behind Amazon, but that's okay because they could always play catch up. Mm-hmm. But what happens is the regular mail prices are raised. And that is where the Postal Service has monopoly. It is illegal to compete. On basic mail delivery services. Those stamp prices increase year in and year out. And that subsidizes, that foots the bill for low, far too low package prices that do not cover basic delivery costs.
0: Is it true basically that, you know, the 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 post office goes through a very long period of of, I mean, it's the monopoly. I mean, you know, people use uh, DHL and and all the others uh, occasionally for business packages and such. But basically, it's the post office doing their thing. The Internet comes along, though. Email comes along, changes that whole dynamic. And now they're essentially a glorified part of Amazon. Is that is that the right narrative of the history of the post office?
2: The right narrative is it's become way more tricky. The business model of the Postal Service used to be so straightforward. If you wanted to uh, communicate information from point A to point B, you send mail. Your grandma sends a card in the mail. She st- My grandma still sends me cards in the mail. No. But from <laughs> But from millennial to millennial, I mean, it's all email every yeah. day, mm-hmm. all the time. And that is a huge disruption. And they have to figure out how to overcome that. But in a sustainable way, that's not putting taxpayers on the line and it's not having unsustainably low prices.
0: Uh, Let's talk about some of the crazy stuff you found that they actually have are spending money on, Um, you know, a billion dollars a year on phony contracts to contractors that I mean, it's it's not even a legitimate expense. Can you explain it?
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, this is all behind the scenes, so it doesn't – people who say that they um – that they approve of the postal service, they're not seeing what's going on behind the scenes. And what happens is you have these massive mail trucks and they're delivering mail you know, across the country from processing center to processing center. They're not always doing a great job. Sometimes they're late, sometimes they miss uh, delivery pickup windows, but they're still charging the postal service and taxpayers by extension that full amount. Those are phony contracts and they're costing $1 billion a year. That's the excess in what they are overcharging. And that is costing the agency And taxpayers are pretty penny.
0: How about the, uh, I mean, I've pretty much watched every show on Netflix, every show on Amazon, every show on Hulu by now. Is it true that the post office actually put together a television show about people who work at the post office?
2: It's called The Inspectors. I watched it so you didn't have to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'm going to, I have a really reassuring piece of news. It is canceled as far as I could tell. But it's so low profile, it is hard to say for sure.
0: But they spent millions of dollars on this, right? Like this is not a this is not like a just a fly by night, like little in, in-house uh, show.
2: Right. And when we're talking about indirect costs and that's been to the equation, we're talking approaching 10 million dollars for this show. I mean, absolutely. This is the Postal Service. Deliver my mail. Send, receive my mail. Don't. <laughs> make it don't make a terrible tv show come on what are you doing
0: so at the end of this what happens is it is it is does ross marchand need to be the postmaster general is that the end of, of this this road for you
2: well, I have the best bit of news I have to deliver all evening. And the truth of the matter is, I am the shadow Postmaster General. <laughs> this uh, this pushover, Lewis DeJoy, or whatever his name is, mm. he reports directly to <laughs> me. <laughs> we
0: can
2: make uh, we can make things explicit a little bit down the road, maybe five to ten years. But for now, that is the reality of the situation. Uh,
0: right. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's getting paid what three hundred grand. He's getting paid for more than senators. He's getting paid you know a good a good amount of cash. To run an organization that's constantly shedding money, is there, I mean, because we can all, we, you know, it's, it's funny to joke about this, and I, and I am, like, uh, very, very, in, from a libertarian sense, just frustrated at the fact that we have parts of our government that do things like this and just shed money constantly. But is there, a, I mean, is this one of these, like, libertarian dreams that's never going to happen? There's, is there any reformation for the post office that's really going to happen?
2: I think over the long term, you're not going to have something like privatization. I think that's unrealistic. I think that would result in a lot of disruption of rural routes. But what you can see over the long term, you can see the Postal Service getting on firmer fiscal footing, cutting out some of these phony contracts, maybe permitting some limited competition with private companies, um, at least in cities. And then we'll see what happens. But one thing is for sure, the status quo is unsustainable.
0: Um, Give me the rundown of what is actually true here with all the election stuff. The left is saying they don't have enough money. They're not going to be able to deliver these ballots. The ballot deadlines, they're not going to get You know, people are going to get stripped of their right to vote. Trump is saying that, uh, you know, they're not playing ball and trying to get this covid thing passed, which had money for the post office in it. I can't sort all this stuff out. What's actually true?
2: There's so much bad faith. But first and foremost, there's a lot of misinformation going on. And the most important thing to keep in mind is that according to USPS financials, they have enough money to last them through August of 2021. Now, the amount of election mail, even if everyone in America voted by mail, it would still be a tiny blip in the radar compared to overall mail volume. This is not something beyond the Postal Service's reach. Absolutely something they can handle, and they have the resources.
0: So is this BS? I mean, is this basically just a BS, nonsensical argument that just happened to veer right into your wheelhouse?
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, it's been, and it's basically, I'm Jewish, it's Hanukkah come in August, okay? <laughs> because there's so much going on, and all of a sudden I look on Twitter and everyone's talking about Postal. Is this a malfunction? Did the algorithm get better? No, everyone's just talking about postal. What gives?
0: All right. Well hopefully our, our votes are actually going to count. I and mean, if they've got money till 2021, there really shouldn't be a problem. And I, you know, I've seen uh, you know I've seen many episodes of Seinfeld. Yes, they complain about carrying the extra packages around Christmas, but everything should be, everything should be fine here. We should be able to handle it. Uh, Ross Marchand is VP of Policy for the Taxpayers Protection Alliance, senior contributor to Young Voices as well. Thanks for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it.
2: Thanks. Great to be back.
0: All right. Back in a second. He says he wants to slow down the mail, To hurt the elections and make people doubt the results of the election. He didn't say that. Maybe he's worried he's going to lose. It doesn't matter. He didn't say it. Our elections are sacred. Mm. And to do this is disgraceful. Sure it is. The postal system is well loved by America. Wow. 91% of America approves of the postal system. You suck. But it's now being 100% undermined... Oh, I see what you by did. ...by the postmaster general, a political <laughs> you hack appointee of yes, Donald sir. Trump. Down in front. Donald Trump is undermining some of the most sacred institutions in America, and the post office is at the top of the list. It has a 91% approval rating and 100% being undermined. uh Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes I, I would assume if you're like a public defender and you show up to the courtroom every day and you kind of get your docket of cases and you start looking down and you're like, this is it. This is the next one they're going to feature on Making a Murderer. Like, this is it. I'm going to be I'm fighting for someone who's been wronged. Another the other day, it's like a bunch of parking tickets. This is Schumer's day. He walks in. He's like, I got to be upset about what about the, the post office. You want me to act pissed off about the post office today? Seriously? Come on, guys. you got to give me something to work with here. I, I have to call President Trump a dictator about mail. You want me to you want me to stand up at this podium and you want me to talk to everybody and act as if the whole country is collapsing over what stamps? Seriously? Come on. you got to give me something better than that. That's uh, that's, I think, how Chuck felt on that one. Didn't have his heart in it, unfortunately. Uh, And also, he's terrible in pretty much every way. So it's a whole another thing. Uh, Speaking of that, by the way, uh, Taylor Swift. Now, Taylor Swift, it's interesting, Taylor Swift. uh, She keeps releasing albums and she released. I remember her first song coming out when I lived in Pennsylvania. because She was from Pennsylvania, if I'm not mistaken, Uh, all that southern charm of Pennsylvania and she released her, her song and it came out and started getting some airplay and it's like she grew and, and, and all of her songs were about her being like 15 years old and like kissing boys in the hallway or something. And now she's like, I don't know, 45 and all of her songs are still the same. They're still talking about her being like 15 years. I don't know when you're 45 and you start talking about kissing 15 year old boys. It gets a little creepy. No, I don't know. But now she's also talking about the post office. Here's our brilliant tweet. She says, Donald Trump's ineffective leadership gravely worsened the crisis that we are in. And now he is taking advantage of it to subvert and destroy our right to vote and vote safely. Request a ballot early. Vote early. Like, she's just intolerable. Is she not at this point? Like, I I can't. It's just old. You know, she she went all in on this last election, then lost uh, in, uh, where was it? Tennessee, Kentucky, South South Korea. I don't know. Some place. And uh, it was not I don't, all I know. She's she bores me. So we're going to move on. Cardi B, on the other hand, very exciting. In fact, so exciting. She got to interview potentially the next president of the United States, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. And if you don't see any uh, synergy between Cardi B and Joseph Robinette Biden, I don't I don't even understand what you're doing with your life. You're not seeing the world that I'm seeing. OK, this is I'm just going to read you some of this interview. Uh, Cardi B's question. Tell me the truth, the hardcore truth about about the coronavirus. Um, Then they go to the election and Biden says this in 2016, if 18 to 24 year olds had voted in the same percentage as the rest of the population, there would have been five point two million more votes. We wouldn't have Trump. We would have had Hillary Clinton. The vote matters. That's why you keep talking to people about the need to vote. Your generation can own what happens in the next election. They can change things dramatically if they show up to vote. Then Cardi B says what her fans want are, is, quote, free college and Medicare. Because I know, I know there's a huge talk, a uh, conversation going on with young people about Medicare. Because what they're looking for is the 65 plus health insurance that has been promised to all elderly Americans. That's what millennials and the generations that are younger believe in today. It's Medicare. Now, I guess they've heard Bernie say Medicare for all. So they're going with that. Uh, he says uh, she's I love this. She says. Um, You know, I want free college and Medicare. But when you see taxes coming off your check, you don't understand because you feel like you're putting in so many hours. People want to know, can you provide college education, health care plans, and do it without a big chunk of taxes coming out of our checks? Of course, Biden says, yes, we can. And the way we do for that is practical things like making sure everyone has paid their fair share. And uh, then he says, uh, if I'm president, nobody who makes less than $125,000 is going to pay for education. This is what you call... um, Bananas. For lack of a better word, it's, it's bonkers. Uh, and it's not true, but who's going to figure that out? Cardi B's going to figure that out? I doubt it. Back in a second. If you've learned anything from this past segment, it may be that education. Is important. The SAT and ACT are the two most powerful forces driving curriculum in the United States today, because everyone's teaching to this test. There's no question that the College Board, which owns the SAT, is a far-left organization. We just talked about Bernie Sanders and his Medicare for All plan. Well, just last year, the College Board had students reading Bernie Sanders op-eds on the SAT. Good news is that there is a new company taking on the SAT and the ACT tests It's the Classic Learning Test, or the CLT. It's been around for about four years and already have been adopted by more than 200 colleges, and nearly every college will now consider CLT scores at least as a supplemental component of an application. Why not take this? Plus, it's a better test, frankly. Uh, The registration deadline for the first CLT of the year is August 22nd, and CLT is rapidly approaching, uh, you know, with SAT and ACT locations few and far between, especially with corona and all this other stuff going on. Um, they want you to now wear a mask while you're tech- testing. You don't have to do that. Uh, the demand for uh, the CLT has never been higher because you can do it at your own home, the comfort of your own home. And I'm pretty sure we're still allowed to be at home without a mask for a limited time only. Hundreds of colleges are already offering tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships for CLT scores to register for the August 22nd official college entrance exam. Visit cltexam.com. CLTexam.com. It's C L T. Exam.com. Register now. Welcome back to the program. Blaze TV contributor and host of the podcast for canon's sake. It's Eric July. Eric, thanks for coming on the program. Oh, thank you for having me again. You must be excited. I'm told that you are going to celebrate Kamala Harris as a
1: groundbreaking vice presidential nominee. Uh, Fortunately, I will not. No. Um, <laughs> that's not a thing that I will be doing. I will say that I was surprised that she was a thing. Like, I didn't see that coming. Really? Uh, she did say some odd things about about Biden that I thought would have for sure checked her off the list. Right? <laughs> um, but no, they, they went all in on her. And definitely when, when you consider these protests and, and her past with prosecution and all of that, it's like I thought you can't have her there. Like she got grilled for that by her own side, mm-hmm. um, like when she was running. So it caught me by surprise. It, it caught me by surprise that they really wanted her to to be be their guy. So I don't know what game they're trying to play. I mean, a lot of people, of course, are going to insinuate that well, she's just there because at some point he's going to go completely crazy and she's going to have to replace him. Mm. Uh, but still, it's like she has a record that is so easily in opposition. It's diametrically opposed to what we when we hear these catchphrases and stuff coming from. Uh, uh That group that they try to signal to, let's say in that do these perpetual protests, I just don't understand That's it. I think weird, it's too easy, man.
0: It is really weird, like part of me thinks that they're trying to play up. You know, go to the middle, right, and say, "Okay, look, I know you guys keep saying defund the police, but we got a prosecutor in here, and we've got Biden, the crime bill guy, in here. We're going to take, we're going to be tough on crime." But then they don't play that up at all. Like they, no. they've, like they're, those are clearly part of their like profiles, but they don't actually accentuate them to general election
1: voters, where maybe it would make a difference. I really don't understand the, the strategy with that. Make, that will make more sense if that was where they were going to try to get even more moderate people uh, to bring them in, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, we're, we're still going to have some sort of law and order, right? right. And, and with, with our guys, so you can come actually support us. But yeah, you're right. It's not like they're even pushing to that. And then you got guys like Biden who go around saying that he's going to be the most progressive uh, presidency, or that's what he's looking to have since FDR. Yeah. I don't know if that includes the internment camps um, <laughs> or not. Quite possibly. Quite possibly <laughs> yeah. they do. But yeah, they're, they're acting as if you know they're tr- they are actual progressives, which... Uh, According to the record, they're not necessarily, but they are. Well, I mean, they're, they're for, for sure leftists, but it's like they don't have the record that goes alongside what the mainstream progressive seems to want these days. Yeah. And it just makes it so easy to attack. So you're completely correct. It seems like it would have made more sense if they were pumping that up to try to bring in people that don't already. Generally support, let's say, Democrats now. That's not what they're doing. So what's the strategy here? I really don't know. Yeah, You think maybe it's
0: just like they're going to take their chances with the Bernie Sanders wing. They're going to they got no one else to vote for. So they're going to come along and try to get more voters in the middle. I would think that would be their theory with a pick like this, even though Kamala Harris is far from the middle. She's no moderate, no, not really near the, Neither is Biden, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting to see her picked after she basically called him a racist on stage.
1: That's pretty much what
0: happened. <laughs> I mean, she said, to be fair, she said, look, I know you're not a racist, but you're pretty much a racist. You're, you're a racist. I mean, that's basically the worst accusation you can come up with to go after a person. And, and yet this is just brushed off. Is that basically just
1: these guys will do anything for power? Or they don't care. They don't care. And unfortunately, the people that actually support them don't seem to care about consistency or anything like that. Either, I mean, that's blatant hypocrisy. Yeah. I mean, we saw this with the whole uh, "believe all women" thing as well. You know what I mean? It was like once that, and as it always okay. does, they come. Your guys start coming under mm-hmm. crossfire. Uh, or it's not even crossfire. They're aiming at that guy. Mm. And it was like, well, now we can't really do that or try to sweep it under the rug. Or are you questioning the people that are making those uh, accusations, and now we don't even talk about it anymore. So it, it goes to show that. Yeah, it's about it's about the power and they'll do anything. It doesn't matter if they're massive hypocrites. And that's because the people that generally would support them don't care for that. You know what I mean? Which I think people that, you know, try to be rational would take that into consideration. Right. (laughs) Like, oh, you just said something last month that goes directly against. uh, or you said something now that goes directly against what you said maybe last month. You think that'd be something that they would be like, all right, well, we don't we don't want that person. But it seems to work. They don't hold their feet to the fire. So, you know, they're going to keep doing it. Uh, One
0: of the things I've been fascinated by in the last few weeks of doing the show is this change in the definition of the word racism, (laughs) where it used to mean something that I was was pretty. I I thought I understood clearly. And now all of a sudden, this brand new
1: definition um, is all over the place. How do you define racism? Well, racism, I generally define it as what it was supposed to be. And that's like applying a set of traits and attributes uh, to an individual by way of race. And often that they try to depict you in, let's say, uh, inferiority or superiority mm-hmm. order in, in, in regards to themselves. It's a very easy, easy definition. It's not specific to anything, but they've added this new element to just basically say only white people can be racist because of power or something like that. Because it's, it's, it's funny. I did a skit not too like probably a few years back about all this, how goofy it it was. People were like, well, it's, it's power plus, you know, it's institutional power plus this plus prejudiceness, And therefore because I'm black and I don't have institutional power, I can't be racist. It's complete mental gymnastics that they yeah. have to try to do to try to uh, you know, basically what they're trying to do is, Assign that term to white people. That's it. Like, so that term is yours, and they could say whatever foul stuff that they want to say, but it's not racist. It may be prejudice, but it's not racist.
0: Yeah, well, because it's like when you you just laid it out really well, and that like when you're trying to apply a negative characteristic to a race. That was your original definition of racism. Yeah, pretty, pretty Yet <laughs> now that's what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. right? They're trying to say every white person is racist, and that's like even if basically you, even the, if you don't know it, you're, you're still yeah. racist. Yeah, I mean, just because I guess it's institutional; it's already built in. So there's no way of avoiding it, and it no longer applies to an individual, which plays
1: into the way they think because they think about people as members of groups, not as actual people. Yep, true collectivism, and that's exactly what it is. And uh, it is really unfortunate because. You're starting to see that hostility towards um, definitely a lot white folk. Mm-hmm. Um, Elijah Schaefer here has he's, he's brought up a good point talking about South Africa. Like, is there going to be an overcorrection in this? Uh, because it does seem like negative things are able to happen to white people uh, these <laughs> days, and it's like, yeah, well, it, it happens to white people, but if that negative thing happens to someone that's black, then it's like, or of, of another race, it's well, we get the media coverage. We, it, it's a, it's a problem or something like that. Yeah. So, it's I don't want that to happen happen. Um, I would love to look at individuals as if they are individuals. You can still acknowledge race by acknowledging that someone is an individual. But unfortunately, what they've been trying to do is um, pin that term to white folks as they be literal racist towards uh, white folk and literal racist towards black folks that are not Um is like because I've been called every name in the book <laughs> by and it ain't Klansmen and, and Nazis that are generally telling me this. It's uh, people that claim to be about compassion and all that other stuff. Amazing.
0: I mean, I feel like, though,
1: if you're going
0: to to your YouTube channel, you're going to uh, to this show, The Blaze, at some level, you want to understand this. You want to engage in this conversation. That is not what I do when I flip on the NBA. That is not what I do when I flip on the NFL or Major League Baseball. Yet they are intent on driving me away from these sports and just bringing these political conversations into places where, like, I I have no problem with athletes, you know, giving their opinion. They're they're Americans. They get to say whatever they want. But like the coverage does not have to be Yes, as a consumer. I don't want to be assaulted by this all the time. I would not want to be assaulted with abortion is murder on the court either. You know, that's just not why I'm there. Yeah, I don't think they understand that. And I feel like this is
1: why the ratings are in the tank. Yeah, I think that's exactly why they are. Uh, Look, this is escapism for a lot of people. Like I would love to go to Mavericks game, love to go to whatever sports game. And I'm cheering alongside a guy that I just, you know, met who may have politics that are completely on the opposite end. That's actually been the beauty of sports is that it does bring a lot of people together. And I'm right with you. It'd be one thing if these individuals, I may call them stupid, uh, that are athletes and they may say something that I disagree with politically. The problem is, is that they have then put that opinion and those positions from a social standpoint. Into the game, it's like built into the to the league now, well uh, So they're doing all these activist efforts. They got it all on the court. They got it on their jerseys. So you really cannot get yeah. um, away for for it. It is anti-consumer because, yes, of course, uh, there's not a lot of people that are gonna necessarily let's say agree with these ter- certain movements. And a lot of people don't turn on your league to to be lectured. That's not what we no. do it for. Like this is all. We, we, you know, we want to get away from that. And this is why we refer to sports. But for whatever reason, they 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 seem to be all in. And I think it's because that Twitter verse, which is not real life, people, <laughs> tricks folks into thinking that this is the general opinion of everybody. And it's simply not. And I think their ratings are showing that mm. we got about one more minute left. I
0: mean, really, the only negative thing I found out about you is that you're a Cowboys fan. <laughs> uh, it's a terrible, terrible trait of yours. Um, Are you excited for the NFL to come back? Are you going to be watching?
1: Uh, It's going to be tough. I haven't watched any basketball, which is amazing. I don't think I've ever said that, like, ever at at any point in time in my life where we're about to be in the playoffs, and I haven't watched it. My 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 team is back in the playoffs, and I haven't watched it. But as far as the Cowboys, I'm a big Cowboys guy, obviously. And football, I hope, is a little different. Um, We will see. But, yeah, if they go that same route, it's going to be the same thing. It's like – is do I really want to sit there and sit through this and yeah. watch this? I don't really think so i know i will not be tuning in
0: if the eagles suck and if they're good then they can i don't know they can black lives matter uh, but white lives don't matter they can put whatever they want on the field eric july blaze tv contributor and host of the podcast for Canon's sake thanks so much for uh, coming on the program man. I, appreciate you, man. It. I appreciate it uh don't forget uh, you can uh, never miss a minute of eric right here on blaze with blaze tv subscription go to blaze tv.com slash stew use the promo code Stu because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks back in a second Yeah, I've been doing the radio show now with Glenn for approximately one zillion years. I mean, it's been like legitimately over 20 years now, I think. And, uh, you know, he kind of came from when I first started listening to Glenn. He was in New Haven, Connecticut, not doing all that well in his career, pretty much crumbled from high success to utter failure. Then I came along. Uh, actually, Glenn, as you know, has had such a great run uh, with the show and built an incredible empire, honestly. And it was really cool. He was nominated for the Radio Hall of Fame, and he got in. Now, I will not be this nice and generous on the radio show with him because, I, you know, it's my job to just mock him relentlessly. Um, But uh, congratulations to Glenn for the Radio Hall of Fame. Well-deserved. Absolutely should be in there, and uh, the Radio Hall of Fame is a really cool organization, and I I agree with their choice here this time, though I will deny it if you ask me later. A couple of reviews here from iTunes. Thank you so much for doing it. Five stars. Appropriate number of stars. Radio Hall of Fame. Five stars just proves that Stu deserves the Radio Hall of Fame more than Glenn. LOL. Don't like the LOL part, but other than that, fantastic. Five freaking stars. What a stu Stud. Oh, everyone noticed how Stu made sure that it says stud right behind him. It's great. Whatever. Look, It's important to get all sorts of uh, subliminal advertising in on this program. We do it all the time for you. We will have more tomorrow. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure to follow us on YouTube. Search for Stu. I'll be the first one there.